It's your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Hope you guys are having a good one out there as well. Really good show coming up. Lavelle E. Neal III joins me. Kind of part two of our discussion started last night on uh, on Joe Maurer. This is a little bit less about Joe, a little bit more about the rest of the athletes in this market. But if you're wondering, if you get to the end of this show and you're like, where was the Joe Maurer con- uh, content? Where was the Joe Maurer talk? Made the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame on the first try, first ballot Hall of Famer elected Tuesday evening. Um, that all went into a special episode that uh, was posted last night. So go check that out if you missed that. That is where you will find a lot of your Joe Maurer talk, although there will be a little bit of that on this show as well. And I would imagine at various points in between now and July 21st when he is enshrined in Cooperstown, New York. So congrats again to Joe. And if you are looking for more of the Joe talk, go check out last night's special edition of Daily Delivery. Today, like I said, Lavelle, uh, Lavelle and I talked a little bit more about some other subjects. I've got some thoughts on something I talked about and wrote about earlier this week. It was the podcast earlier this week with Royce after the Packers lost in the playoffs. And I was talking about how how the Packers have had a, a tough run lately when it comes to the playoffs in terms of playoff results. And I dare to say that their playoff results could be interpreted as somewhat of a curse. They had taken over the title of, you know, most cursed playoff franchise, at least when it comes to the last dozen or so years. Wrote about that on Monday as well. Got a ton of feedback. Getting it from all sides. Vikings fans saying, What what are you talking about? How how do you how do you expect us to sympathize with the Packers when you look at our entirety of history? Packers fans saying, Us cursed? No, that's not who we are, things like that. So caused me to rethink my premise, caused me to wonder what that reaction was all about. And I'll take a little deeper dive into that at the end of the show, as well as maybe take a look at some Hall of Famers who could, some some current Minnesota athletes who could become Hall of Famers down the road, like Joe Maurer, who could be the next Joe Maurer. In just a minute, I'll get to uh, the wild. But first, what I miss, let's talk uh, go for basketball. It was a tough night for the Gophers. Speaking of Minnesota-Wisconsin rivalries, talking about Vikings-Packers. Speaking of that, Gopher men's basketball team had a chance for a signature win, a key win in their season to kind of change momentum. Gopher women's basketball team had a chance to kind of cement its status as an NCAA tournament team at Wisconsin against an inferior Badgers opponent, Let's start with the men. They were playing 6 o'clock tip-off at Williams Arena. They had lost three Big Ten games in a row. They started the year 3-1 and one in the Big Ten. They were 3-4. and four. Wisconsin comes in. They're leading the Big Ten. They're 6-1 and one in the conference. They're ranked. Gophers rally furiously in the second half. They have a lead with 30 seconds left, but they can't finish it off. They lose 61-59. to 59 home against the Badgers. And again, shows some progress, right? That they have gotten closer and closer to knocking off Wisconsin. And this is a very good Wisconsin team, but still couldn't get over that hump since Ben John. I'm reading from Marcus Fuller's game story. I did not realize that this was 
a trend that was so pervasive. Since Ben Johnson took over Minnesota's program in 2021-22, his teams have lost five consecutive games against Wisconsin by six points or fewer. Ouch. Ben Johnson knows it. He said, you'd think at some point here soon the basketball gods are finally going to shine down on us. These guys have done everything we've asked. You'd think at some point we got to get a little bit of luck, but it was not Tuesday night. Hey, and sometimes you make your own luck, right? You got to make shots. You got to execute down the stretch. Gophers just didn't do that even after rallying to take that lead, even after rallying to get back in the game. Gophers now 3-5 and five in the Big Ten, four straight Big Ten losses. Again, they have to be encouraged by some of the things they did, have to be encouraged by the growth of some players, but... At the end of the day, this is a results business. You know, it's 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 both, right? It's process and results. The process, at some point, though, has to lead to results. It has to feel like you're building not just momentum or not just optimism, but you have to you have to convert that into real tangible things that you can carry with you. This was a great opportunity to do that. They had everything right in front of them. They had a you know announced crowd of over ten thousand people. It was right there, and they couldn't finish the deal. That's disappointing. Doesn't mean the season's over. Doesn't mean any of those things. But that is a disappointment that they couldn't close that one out. Similarly. Gophers women lose 59-56, a game in Wisconsin, an 8 o'clock tip-off. So you could have four straight hours of Gophers versus Wisconsin. You could have four straight hours of biting your nails and not liking the results if you were a Minnesota fan. Gophers lost by three, just kind of just kind of chasing that game ever right from the beginning. Wisconsin got off to a hot start. Minnesota couldn't make anything, and it felt like they were chasing for most of the game. I watched a good part of the second half. They took a lead for a bit early in the fourth quarter, but couldn't finish that thing off. And again, just a tough result. The Gophers were 4-3 and three in the Big Ten. Wisconsin, I believe, was 1-6 and six coming in. I thought Wisconsin played pretty well. Like, this is not to take away from what Wisconsin did. That was probably one of their better games of the season. But if you are going to be an NCAA tournament team at the end of the year, like Kent Youngblood and I talked about on Tuesday's podcast, that's probably a game you need to win, A, because it keeps your net rating high, and B, you just don't get a lot of opportunities like that in the Big Ten against a lower team in the conference. So we will see if that one comes back to haunt them in March or if they can compensate for that with you know, some, some wins against some better teams as time goes on. But that one is going to hurt for a while. 59-56, three-point loss. And again, just couldn't quite get it done down the stretch. Wild, meanwhile, I'm done trying to figure out the wild. I'm done trying to predict which direction they are headed, which way that team is going. You know, they lost, you know, they had that big losing streak. Everybody was hurt. Um, and I said, basically, put, you know, they're done. Let's, let's just kind of forget about this. They're done. They can't get this done this season. They're, you know, they're, they're beyond, beyond help, beyond salvation. And ever since then, They've won three in a row. They keep scoring a ton of goals. Uh, Philip Gustafson is standing on his head, standing on his head since uh, Mark Andre Fleury got hurt. It is just I can't figure this team out. They're up. They're down. They're hot. They're cold. You know, maybe that's just that's just the nature of hockey. I guess that's the nature of you know getting some guys back from injury, getting getting healthy, feeling good. Kaprizov had a hat trick the other day, big goal the other day from uh, Joel Erickson Eck to kind of stem the tide against Washington, but. I'm done trying to figure them out. They're, I don't know if they're good or they're bad. They're probably mediocre. 
which, you know, sometimes it's just how they stack up. Sometimes it's not so unusual that you're hot, cold, hot, cold. Instead of winning two, losing one, winning two, losing three, winning, you know, they're they're like winning seven, losing eight, things like that. That's just the nature of how they've been this season. But maybe that's a function of their schedule as much as anything. So I'm done trying to figure them out. Maybe we can just watch them, see if somehow they have another rally this year in them once the once they're healthy they're an okay team i think that's what we can say about them at this point when they're healthy they're at least an okay team and we'll see where that gets them the rest of the year grand casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan the passion the hope the anticipation that incomparable feeling of winning Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Let's bring back Lavelle E. Neal III from the Star Tribune. Had him on the special Mauer, Joe Maurer uh, Hall of Fame election podcast Tuesday night. Had some extra thoughts, Lavelle, that I wanted to tap you tap your uh, tap your brain on. For today's show, kind of Mauer, kind of Mauer adjacent. Now, something we were talking about towards the end of the special edition, kind of talking about, did we appreciate him enough? Does the negativity of what he wasn't get in the way of what he was? And it kind of got me thinking about a column you just wrote about how we've got all these amazing young players in this market. And yeah, teams haven't won a lot lately. We get the the Lynx dynasty of the 2000s, but even that feels, you know, that's like seven years old now. People are like, when is somebody going to win something? People kind of have a default of being annoyed, upset. And you're saying, look, there's a lot of greatness happening around here. Do we need to just appreciate all the good things that are happening around here a little bit more? Let's talk about that column. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a good way to look at it because I, I don't think people... Uh, allow themselves to be happy with what they have because they keep they they're hung up over the championship drought here and it's real. I mean, it exists. You know, um, thank heavens that the WNBA began uh began to exist or the drought goes back to ninety one. You know, right. so um, I get that. I totally understand that. Um, I was listening. I was listening to our uh, football writer Kevin O'Connell. Uh, I'm sorry, God, it's Ben Gessling. And he was talking about. <laughs> Kevin O'Connell around town now. He goes shopping, runs on people in stores, and they're just they're giving them the oh, just once before I die, I want to see the right. Vikings. <laughs> you know, and so um he overlooks how good Kirk Cousins is. Um, I think people are in love with Justin Jefferson, though. Yes. Um, but I think people don't enjoy it. They they don't look at the whole pick, the big picture, the entire picture, no, and understanding what they have. And when you need to recognize greatness, you may not have great teams, but you've had great players. And uh, at least you've had that. You've had reasons to go to stadiums and ballparks to watch sport events because of all these people that uh, you have and you have right now and um, that you could have for several years. I know your free agency and injuries always can come into play. Um, you know, especially with Justin Jefferson, probably getting 40 million a year. Uh, Emmanuel Reynoso, uh, annual. I don't know if I'm coming to camp. Uh, he showed up. He's here. He He's here. He's here. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but you never know for sure. You know, uh, Royce Lewis, once he gets his six years in, would the twins be able to keep him? You know, let's not, don't worry about that. Just go to the ballpark and watch them rake or produce because it, it's, it's part of being a sports fan. Um, being entertained by individuals and rooting for teams. We've been satisfied with one. We just haven't gotten the other. 
And maybe that will change. And it's always good to have a great player because it makes you dream of big things. At least you have a dream. At least these people give you an opportunity to dream that maybe this person can lead us to the promised land. I like that. And it, you know, even Roycey on Monday, this was probably part of what got me started. This. Even Roycey was like, it was his parting comment on Monday's show was, just be happy for Joe Maurer. Like he's, he, you know, here's an all-time great from St. Paul. And, you know, we're, we're so quick to point out the things that he couldn't do or didn't accomplish here. And I think that's a good that's a good point of view to have. Now, of all the people you you brought up, I mean, it is kind of staggering what is in this market right now. I mean, it's it's not limited to one player on every team, but there is kind of this, you know, there's a hierarchy. You look at Anthony Edwards, you know, absolutely, Justin Jefferson, Nafisa Collier, Kirill Kaprizov, if we still think of him as young, um, you know, Emmanuel Reynoso, Royce Lewis. Like, there's there's this attraction on each team that is great on their own and you can legitimately say, okay, you build the right thing around them. This could be special. Yeah, and it usually comes down to decisions by front offices. You shouldn't hold it against that individual. Um, you know, it, there's decisions that haunt teams for years. I mean, you know, the Twins killed themselves. They took Todd Ritchie instead of Mike Messina, and they scouted Mike Messina three times his senior year at Stanford and still took Todd Ritchie in front of Messina. That would have extended their run in the two, in the 1990s if they had Messina in that sure. rotation. You know, uh, what could have been? I mean, that's always the thing. It comes down to draft picks, free agent signings, and, and acquisitions. You know, you have Justin Jefferson, great player. Now it's on Quezzy to build a team. You know, and this is going to be a huge offseason for him. Massive. Massive. As he tries to re-sign Justin Jefferson and maybe try to keep Daniel Hunter – DJ Wanham, I don't know. Is he going to say goodbye to Harrison Smith? <laughs> kind of figure out it, quarterback, it, like it's it, and, and draft well. I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a which he hasn't done. No, he, which he hasn't done. You know, um, Bill Guerin is living in hell right now because he's spending fifty million dollars less than everybody yeah. else in the NHL because he's got uh, two contracts weighing down his roster, and they're they're going through hell right now. It's a stay consistent, and he can't go out and. Add quality players no. to, to help stem the tide, you know. And, and he's got another year. Of, he's got another year of that too. That's that's the hard the, part. You got another top fifteen scorers in the league in Kaprizov. Top yeah. fifteen. I mean, he had a hat yeah, trick the other night. I mean, he's he's yeah. great. He's a great player. He's a star. We gotta we gotta start uh, dealing out justice here uh, when some of these guys get wax on our our Kaprizov man. That uh, he I think the, his slow start to the beginning of the year was because he was still. Uh, recovering from what happened to him in the postseason against St. Yeah. Louis, maybe and Winnipeg. And Winnipeg takes a shot at him. These, yeah, they, these there should be wanted signs in the in the locker room <laughs> of the Wild uh, at the Wild Stadium uh, of players they need to uh, uh, um, take care of. I don't want to say eliminate, but <laughs> <laughs> you try to start a new bounty gate. I mean, that was you know. <laughs> 13, 14 years ago for the for the Vikings, but I'm sure Kirill will buy these guys a couple of beverages if they take care of business. Do you feel like <laughs> one of these teams, a couple more things I'll let you go. Do you feel like one of these teams is closer than the other in terms of, you know, yeah, they've got the star, they've got the thing to to kind of frame everything else around. Is it the is it the twins right now, even though I don't love their offseason right now? Is it the Wolves, even with what that bad season? loss the other night. Well, who is it? Who is it right now? It'll be the Wolves for me. Um, they're a fascinating team with the two big men set up. It's working. Uh, best defense in the league. They, they've got scoring multiple spots on the court. I think they could use another shooter. You know, So maybe Doug McDermott could be a guy they can go out and get. But 
Chris Finch has not been happy last month. No, because these guys have gone out and messed around and still won these games despite but not putting people away, making games tougher than they should be. And I know it's a step forward because a year ago they lost a bunch of games they should have yes. won. They lost to a, a crappy Detroit team last year. All right, at least they beat yeah. that tra- crappy Detroit team this year. Right, but now they're making things hard on themselves, and part of it's because. Ant has these moments when he thinks he's Michael Jordan. Yep. He wants to slow down the damn game. His teammates just stop moving out, uh, off the ball, and everything slows down while they wait for Ant to hunt his prey and then attack <laughs> the rim. And, and it gets him into trouble. And um, Mike Conley, if he's play- if Conley plays yesterday, they win that game. Sure. Um, they maybe need a backup point guard, too, just to try to yeah. keep, things, keep things under wraps here when Conley can't play or when he's on- off the court. I mean, uh, I just uh, it was just so aggravating to watch that game, you know. And Cat scores sixty two. I mean, come on, it's just it, I was wor- like, it worries me how much they seem to be dependent not on scoring or like pure talent, but how much they seem to be dependent on the maturity and the kind of the glue of a thirty six year old oft injured point guard on an expiring contract. It just makes me worry that this is not sustainable or that they need to figure something else out to make it sustainable. I, I applaud them getting him. I will say that. Yeah, it was a great I, trade. It, yes, it absolutely. Trade. You know, he still, he still can bring something to the table. Yeah. But you got to watch, you got to watch his reps. You know, yes. you got to set him out. He is, he's a, he's in low management, the stage of his career. And I, I get that. So like I said, I like to see man, another shooter, you know what team you you'll go, you can't have too many shooters. No, but maybe they need to find a uh, a point guard, a backup point guard to come in and run the show. People want Tyus Jones. We'll see Lavelle. Um, awesome, appreciate uh, you hopping on a couple times here, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, thanks for having me. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lavelle Eniel the Third. And again, like I said at the beginning of the show. Lavelle is on with me Tuesday evening as well with that special episode talking about Joe Maurer elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Got me thinking a little bit, not just about all these young stars, but which among them is the most likely to be a Hall of Famer, him or herself, one day? It's an interesting question. Um, sparked a little bit, by the way, by uh, my sports editor, Chris Carr. He was, we were trading messages already Wednesday morning on this. And I think it's an interesting question because Minnesota sports right now doesn't have a ton of like mid career, no doubt, Hall of Famers. We've either got like people at the tail end of their career who you could think about as being Hall of Famers or You've got players kind of more at the beginning of their career, you know, one, two, three, four years in where you're like, okay, if they continue on this path, you could see them getting in, but it's it's no sure thing, right? You've got to have the next six to 12 years of careers play out before you really know how how things will go. Now, if you look at it, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm just looking at different rosters. I think Nafisa Collier for the Lynx certainly has a case to be made as she progresses, but again, work to be done. If you look at the PWHL roster for Minnesota's team, there's tons of players on there who could eventually wind up in the Hall of Fame. I think, you know, both of their goalies, Maddie Rooney and Amanda Levier, uh, you're talking about Grace Zumwinkle, Taylor Heisey, players like that. So candidates there for sure. You look at the Twins, I don't see an obvious one on the Twins right now, even though Joe Maurer's the one that just most recently went in. I don't see an obvious candidate 
right now. You look at like, Royce Lewis is exciting, but he's played like 60, 70 games in the majors right now. Let's not do that to him. Carlos Correa, maybe, but I think he kind of fell off that track. I don't know if he's going to quite have the numbers to get it done. His his career war is good. He doesn't quite have that like dominant streak to them. Great postseason player. Might get dinged a little bit in the voting because of his association with those Astros teams that were cheating. So I don't think Carlos Correa right now is on a Hall of Fame track. I think he's on a Hall of Very Good track. He's being paid like a star, which he is, but I don't know if Carlos Correa, everything I've read and looked at right now, I don't know if he's on a Hall of Fame track, and I don't see anybody else on the Twins right now on a similar track. The Wild is interesting right now. I don't see anybody except Kaprizov that I would say, okay, that guy's you know got a really good chance. I think Kaprizov does have a good chance. He's doing things that nobody else does, but he's got he's got to go up another level too to get to that spot. I think, but he he's tracking to be a maybe. I think, and certainly the best player in Minnesota history, at least best forward in Minnesota history. Timberwolves are an interesting one because you've got. Anthony Edwards, who's kind of more at the beginning of his career, you could see him ascending to that point. But there's a lot of players who score like Anthony Edwards. He's got to start racking up some all-NBAs. He's got to have some playoff success before we consider him on a Hall of Fame trajectory instead of just exciting young player trajectory. Carl Anthony Towns, probably on the fringe as we think about this right now, a big man who does things that nobody else can do or a few other can do. I would say two or three years ago, I think he was on a, on an arc to maybe make it, but right now maybe has fallen back a little bit as he's you know, had to change positions, as he's had injuries, things like that, but certainly not out of the realm of possibility that if he has a really successful next five to seven years of his career, maybe adds some winning in the playoffs to that, that he could be back on that arc. Rudy Gobert, probably in my mind right now, the Wolves player with the best chance to make the Hall of Fame just because he has racked up a lot of those awards. An all-time great defensive player at center, proving his worth this year. I know he had a tough year last year. I know everybody wanted to say worst trade ever. Right now, not worst trade ever. He is proving his worth this year for the Wolves. And with all those accolades, everything he's done, I think he is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Um, you know, probably no more for the Jazz still, of course, but that's still a Minnesota player right now. But the player, I would say who has the best chance to make it into the Hall of Fame right now is on the Vikings, Justin Jefferson. I think he's just far and away the best receiver in the NFL right now. He does things on the field that even in an era of inflated stats of things like that, he is special. He is you know, one of one, or at least one of two or three at his position right now. And you will define that at the end of his career. You will say that was one of the best at this time. As long as he stays healthy for the next five to seven years and keeps putting up these kinds of numbers, I think Justin Jefferson is the player in this market right now who you look at and you say, that is the most likely future Hall of Famer, especially of the players who started their careers here and are playing, you know, the bulk of their careers here. I think Daniil Hunter will have a case. I think he's kind of right on the edge. I think Harrison Smith will have a case to be made. So I think there's some interesting names in the mix there as well. But I'm going to say Justin Jefferson is the most likely on track right now from our market to make a Hall of Fame. Royal Credit Union smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. 
Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking. Insured by NCUA. Okay, let's finish with the cooler. Like I said at the jump, I had a chance to reflect a little bit on the piece I wrote a couple days ago, this notion that the Packers are now have taken over the title as, you know, most most cursed playoff team of the last, you know, 12 years. I got a lot of feedback on this coinciding nicely with my reading of Adam Grant's book called Think Again. Really good book. I'm just about done with it. Talks all sorts all sorts of stuff about how rethinking and, you know, kind of reconsidering our own ideas, listening to other people's ideas, even those that conflict with what we might think, how valuable that is, how smart it is to do those sorts of things. Now, I am not an expert on rethinking. That would be falling prey to the Dunning-Kruger effect, which Adam Grant talks about a lot in his book, which is whereby you gain a little bit of knowledge about something, and then suddenly you think you're an expert, and then that backfires on you because you are by no means an expert. You overinflate your confidence level. You overinflate yourself kind of your understanding of what you think you know about something, you stop learning about it, and then it becomes even more dangerous. So I'm not going to fall prey to that. What I am going to do is take his advice, rethink what I wrote, try to re-examine it from a couple different lenses. And I think it's, I think it's a good thought exercise. Because like I said at the beginning, I got this, I got a lot of flack on both sides from the Vikings fans and Packers fans for suggesting that the Packers have now become a team with, with the biggest curse. And I think what I was underestimating what I was undervaluing in all of this was the historical nature of how both of these franchises view themselves, but also how the last 50, 60, 70 years have played out for these teams. And that's to say this, you know, because the Packers have such a history, 13 championships, including four Super Bowls, you can't simply take this slice from 2011 through 2013, even if there's been lots of playoff heartbreak in there, even if the point I was trying to make in the beginning was that if you just isolate those 13 years and you have 0-4 in the NFC title game, you have two overtime losses, you have a, you know... A, Home losses, you know, bad home losses. You have this game just the other day. You're eight and ten overall in the playoffs, and lots of teams that woulda, coulda, shoulda gone to the Super Bowl and haven't gone to the Super Bowl. Even if you isolate that, it doesn't it doesn't have the same effect because everything that has preceded it has a kind of helped put a band-aid over that, and b the time still isn't so long. Like they just won a Super Bowl in 2010. It's not long enough to say, hey. This team is now cursed. And I get that. I think that's I think that's true. I think I was underestimating that you can't just isolate at least intellectually or at least em- you can't you can't do it emotionally. You can maybe do it intellectually and say, "Man, those last 13 years have been hard for the Packers, but you can't say that you can't just say then that they are the most cursed because you have to factor in the rest of their history." And I think that was what my good friend Chicken Fingers 69 was trying to tell me. This was where I was getting it from Vikings fans. And we have a good we had a good back and forth and he's he's one of the people over the years that has challenged me in a good way to to maybe think about things differently to think about you know the, my my opinions to think about hey there's different there's a different viewpoint that I'm not considering and his he, he always does it with grace and humor and he says I'm sitting here in this 257,000 mile minivan eating quick trip roller dogs while you tell me about the curse of Warren Buffett losing $20 in pull tabs. I get it. That's the extreme, of course. He's, he's prone to hyperbole. But what he's saying is this. You cannot just overlook 
you know, the the previous 50, 60 years before this 13-year stretch. The Vikings, if you go beyond that, of course their history is far more excruciating, far less successful than the Packers. You cannot just take this slice and tell me I'm supposed to feel bad for this team, which is part of what I heard from the Vikings. So I, I get that. I, I'm coming around to the understanding of that piece. From the other side, Packers fans were equally upset. This was an email from Tom. Thought he was agreeing with me at first. He said, Nice article detailing the cursed Green Bay Packers. Yes, it's true that the Packers have suffered through some tough playoff losses since their most recent Super Bowl championship in 2010. Thought we were having some common ground here. This was like one of like 10 emails I got from Packers fans. He said, well, you apparently don't realize, even though you've, quote, covered Minnesota sports for 20 years, uh uh-oh, I think maybe he doesn't like it, is that even in the seasons where Green Bay hasn't won at all, they've still been playing exciting, winning football at the same time. Green Bay is the NFL's third winningest team in the past 20 years. Check out where the Vikings rank if you like. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to assume it's lower, although probably successful. And I will say, even when the Vikings were playing excruciatingly heartbreaking football, they were also playing entertaining, winning football a lot of those times too. But Packers are the last franchise that Vikings fans should be making their feeble attempts at taunting. I'm not taunting. I'm I'm stating facts. But again, I'm not politicking here. I'm listening. Your pathetic franchise has been around since 1961, and you still don't have a ring symbolizing that your team won it all. Okay, I'm not going to read the rest of it because most of it just descends into our team is great, the Vikings are bad, and what are you talking about? So I get it. I I think this gets to the second piece of my rethinking, which is why there was such a strong reaction. And one is I agree that you can't just slice off this piece of history and say, okay, now there is a curse. The other piece of it, though, is interesting. I think part of this is wrapped up in how fans of both of these franchises identify themselves, that their identity is wrapped up, A, for Packers fans, their identity is wrapped up in this notion of title town, of all these Super Bowls they've won, of being successful. They can't conceive of the idea that maybe now things are different, that they, if you if you look at the recent history, if you look at this slice of time, if you look at, a you know, 13 years, which is a, a growing sample size with a lot of excruciating examples, like I said, overtime losses, the game against Seattle like nine, 10 years ago where they botched the onside kick, overtime losses, losing at home to Tampa Bay in the NFC title game a few years ago, like really good teams that came up short when you assumed with Aaron Rodgers that they would be going to another Super Bowl sometime in there. So Packers fans can't wrap their head around this new identity. Vikings fans similarly can't wrap their head around this identity of, wait, we're the, we're the biggest, we're the, we're the most miserable. And I think that is an identity. I, I don't think Vikings fans want that, but they cling to that identity. I think Boston fans went through this identity crisis of sorts, happily, eventually, but it was hard for them, I think, when the Red Sox, Celtics, when they started winning championships again in the early 2000s, especially the Red Sox, when they finally broke through and won the World Series after the curse, uh, the curse that lasted what eighty six years, something like that. I think, I think there was a certain identity where, like, they identified so long with being the team that was cursed that it was hard to think of themselves as now the team that was winning all the time. So I think Vikings fans have a hard time saying, "Wait, that's not us anymore. We are not part of that identity." That that's hard, I think, to give up that identity, even if it is a negative identity. So. That is my analysis of this. I was willing to rethink it. Are you willing to rethink it? Are you willing to think about this in a different way? 
Or do you just want to send me more uh, screaming emails? Either way, I'm fine with it. It's, it's fun. It's a good thought exercise. At the end of the day, we'll all forget about it in, you know, three days and it's all good. And it wasn't even like, and people aren't like mad, mad. They're just, you know, they're just, it's, it's all, it's all relatively harmless. It's all just sports at the end of the day. That will do it for me today, speaking at the end of the day. Tomorrow's show should have a lot of wild content. Sarah McClellan, wild beat writer, expected to join me. Until then, I am Michael Rand. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Wednesday.